Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. A very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, I tell you, I mean it, uh, and I hope you believe it. It's a true joy for me to be here with you, as the Lord blesses this time, I believe, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 o'clock on the East Coast, and uh, Fridays, you know, at two at 4 o'clock when Cheryl joins me for two hours of Friday Live, and uh, here we are Thursday already. It's uh, July 30th, <laughs> and I hope you're having a blessed day. And I pray you're having a safe day and a healthy day, and um, just taking it a day at a time, you know, going through all this that we're going through as a country. Tough, very tough. <laughs> Some days tougher than others. But anyway, we're here together, and I'm happy about that. And if you are listening live at 401 uh, Eastern Time. You can also watch the program as we stream live video today uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domestic church media. So you can watch the program on our YouTube channel, also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash domestic church media. And we're also streaming live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And you know, my friends, if you have the free domestic church media mobile app, you can watch the program right on your phone. Just go to our app and um, click on that first link there and click on DCM TV, and we'll be right there coming to you live in video format, in living color, as they used to say when that NBC Peacock appeared before a program. <laughs> Remember that? The following program is brought to you in living color <laughs> on NBC. Uh, anyway, we're coming to you now live in living color at uh, on Domestic Church Media. So happy you're here. It's Thursday already. And uh, let's see, today is Catechism Day. I don't know if you saw um, a few days ago, or I guess maybe last week, uh, the Vatican issued new guidelines for parishes. <laughs> and uh, um, there's an article on the Catholic News Agency page that I pulled up, five things you need to know about this, uh, these guidelines. I'm going to share some of that with you. And then in keeping with that, I thought in our catechism teaching, we'd go to the section of the catechism on the third commandment, keeping holy the Lord's day, where it really addresses the parish community and what parish life should be. Um, I know it's tough right now because of the COVID thing and, uh, Everything is disordered, you know. We're not really, uh, not really, the way things used to be right now. And hopefully, one day we'll get back to that. As I said the other day, I don't like the term "the new normal." I hope we get back to normal, the way things should be, the way God really, you know, normal should always be what God desires. So um, we'll see about that. But anyway, so we'll do that today. Uh, but first, my friends, we are going to pray. 
And as always, I invite you to join me in praying for all of your special needs, your special intentions. You know, we're joined by a wonderful domestic church media family of listeners and viewers uh, literally around the world because of technology. We're able to go so far uh, around the globe. And I know that because as I've shared with you, you know, we can, we can see uh, where people are listening to our podcast because people do pull them up. You know, we have them available, all of our previous programs, people listening a lot. Um, and even as far as people downloading our free mobile app, as I've said, on every continent except for Antarctica. So our mobile app is present on every continent except Antarctica. So people listening uh, to domestic church media all over the world and watching because with YouTube and Facebook, uh, you can also watch. You know, um, So we have a wonderful family gathered in prayer. So I invite you, as I do every day, that we start our time together to pray together, to raise up your special intentions, whatever they are, and let's pray as family. Pray for those special needs. And we're praying this beautiful prayer that so many of you are requesting. Thanks be to God. I thank you for that because we're offering, to, offering it to you for free. The prayer for the United States of America. Uh, and uh, we pray that now and um, our other prayers. And I'll tell you how you can get free copies of this in case you're unaware. Uh, but let's raise up our hearts and minds together now as family and begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy, born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, and all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land. We praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. <clears throat> and we pray uh, our prayers also that Holy Father asks us to pray uh, to St. Michael the Archangel, and also the Subtum Presidium prayer, a beautiful ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, one of the probably the oldest prayer I think that that exists uh, to Our Lady. And Holy Father Pope Francis two years ago asked Catholics to pray both of these prayers daily, with the specific intention of protecting the Church from the attacks of the devil. And we're kind of throwing in there as well, adding to that intention 
to protect the United States of America from the attacks of the devil, because we see those attacks right now. They're, they're, they're no longer hidden. They're out in the open. We see them, and so we have to pray to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you, friends. And uh, again, speaking of prayer, Monday, uh, this coming Monday, which will be the first Monday in August, as he does on the first and third Monday of every month. Our dear friend Bruce DeBacco will be here uh, for his program, Come to the Throne. He'll be live here on these domestic church media stations and all of our platforms uh, from 3 to 4 o'clock Eastern Time. And we open up the airwaves. We throw open the prayer tent, the virtual prayer tent, and invite you to call in and pray with Bruce or ask for special intentions, special prayer requests that you may have uh, the lines will be open from 3 to 4 o'clock this coming Monday, as they are every first and third Monday, for Come to the Throne with Bruce DeBacco. So I encourage you uh, to tune in and join us at 3 o'clock. Uh, you can also send your prayer requests to us by email. Uh, there's a prayer link on our website. Or, you know, during the program or leading up to the program, we have our um, texting capabilities available. You can text your prayer request as well. Uh, so anyway, it's coming up already, first first Monday of August, this coming Monday. So join us then. And uh, also, again, if you have not yet requested your free prayer for the United States of America, we put them on little four-by-six uh, cards, laminated. I'm going to hold it up to the camera here if you can see it. Um, this is the prayer for the United States of America. And uh, I ordered 5,000 of them because we want to send them out, and we've sent out a lot already. And so I hope that you'll take advantage of this. There's no limit to the amount you can order uh, or ask for. There's no cost involved. We even pick up the postage. It's free. Uh, we only ask that you pray it and pass it out to as many people as possible to pray this prayer. You know, we're coming into a very, very crucial and critical time uh, in our nation's history as we get closer to this election. And you know... I had a phone call the other day from a wonderful gentleman, listener, uh, who called, uh, was asking for some information. Uh, I didn't know him personally. Um, he had called the network. They had heard a song. And um, he was uh, having some difficulty um, in his own heart, I guess, uh, with the current political situation in this country. And I said, you know, let's just all pray that the Lord will put the right people in the positions that are being voted for in November. Well, just give, put it, give it to the Lord. I mean, let's trust the Lord 
to put the right people there to inspire men and women, hearts and minds, to vote for the right people who will guide this country down that path upon which it was founded of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all uh, people are created equal, um, and that we all have those same unalienable rights, and that we need to defend our Constitution and the constitutional rights that we're all granted, and that God bless America. That's Everybody wants that. So we pray this prayer for the United States of America, and we pray that um, we are protected from the attacks of the enemy, both domestic and foreign and spiritual. <laughs> There's a whole other realm out there beyond uh, what we see on the news every night that is attacking our country. So anyway, all of these, uh, again, I'll send you whatever you want. If you have a prayer group or, you know, and I know we have wonderful liaisons out there, ask your pastor. Don't do it on your own. Of course, everything always with pastors, uh, with Father's permission, the pastor's permission. Maybe you want to put some of these in the entrances to your church and have the people pick them up, you know, free. But again, don't do that unless Father permits it. Um, We have, um, I believe, Cheryl told me that uh, the parish where she works up at St. Magdalene's in Flemington, they're actually going to print this card in their bulletin um, so people can pray the prayer. We just need—we have, the, we have the, the best weapons available to us um, in, in our prayer. And we want to fight the dangers of the culture and the, the paths that we seem to be going down right now or that people are trying to, to drag us down and pull us down. We need to call upon the Holy Spirit. We really do. The spouse— um, of our, our Lady, and through Mary's intercession, and this prayer uh, prays it beautifully to present our country to the whole, Most Holy Trinity, to protect us and guide us and lead us. Uh, so anyway, go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Up on the top, there's a, a number of options you have. One is prayer. Um, place your cursor over the word prayer, and a menu drops down. And the first option there is prayer for the United States of America. Click on that. It takes you right to our uh, form there. And all we want is your name, your, your address, so we know where to send them and how many you want. And we'll get them out to you. We've sent out a lot already, which is great. Um, but again, I, I just highly encourage you to get them and, and pray them. Get, get this out. There. Let's do our own, little, our own little part here of uh, being just strong prayer warriors here for this cause, the cause to protect our country from the devil, from evil. Uh, and, uh, you know, sadly, I do believe that there are evil people in government that are trying to do evil things. And we just need to protect our country from that. So go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Um, click on the prayer link, and then you'll see the drop down menu. And click on the prayer for the United States of America and more. And tell us how many you want, where to send them, and we will get them out to you. Okay, so uh, last week, or I guess it was last week, is this, um, let's see. Uh, I guess it was a week ago, a week ago Monday already. 
Um, the Congregation for Clergy the Vat- out of the Vatican uh, published new guidelines for the world's parishes, which aimed to encourage parishes to think of themselves as missionary communities of evangelization. Uh, the guidelines didn't publish new norms or policies for parish life, but they did encourage Catholics to think prayerfully about what their parishes are and what they're for. And this particular article that I'm uh, uh, citing right now from the Catholic News Agency pulled five themes and takeaways from that particular, uh, those guidelines, that document. Um, the first one was this, and again, I, I say this, my friends, because, you know, sometimes we, we get, and I, one of my fears with this whole COVID thing and the dispensation from the obligation of at- actually attending Mass because of the the um, the guidelines and the restrictions that we have in place right now um, is that people will, will tend to fall into habits of not going to Mass anymore, even when the dispensation is... Uh, is lifted and, and the requirement, the obligation returns. Um, even now with uh, public masses being said once again and people allowed to go, there are restrictions in the numbers of people and how you can sit. You know, I, I was, for myself personally, I, I was a bit uh, reticent to do that. I just didn't like the idea of having to sit there with a the mask on I, I'll always wear the mask when required. Trust me on that one. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't think anybody likes wearing them. I don't like wearing them. Um, and I thought at mass, it was just, but anyway, so I've, I've been going and I, and I, and I, you, you, you put up with it. <laughs> the best thing is you're there at the representation of the one sacrifice uh, that Jesus made on Calvary that's represented to us at the holy sacrifice of the mass. We're there. We can receive the Eucharist. We can we can we can listen to the Word of God. Um, so anyway, my fear is though that many people will not return, and I hope I'm wrong. But I, my fear is people will, especially those who were nominal in their faith to begin with, will begin to drop off. But the idea here is that we need our parishes, we need our diocese, we need our church. So the first takeaway from these guidelines in this article was that the parish is mission. The parish is mission. The guidelines offered parish a, a parishes a call to go out of themselves, offering instruments for reform, even structural, in a spirit of communion and collaboration, of encounter and closeness, of mercy and solicitude for the proclamation of the gospel. Um, <clears throat> you know, we know... That before the whole COVID thing, we had some, and probably still do, They those that were probably still are very um, uh, vibrant parishes that were alive with, with activity and, and, and mission and uh, through the, the many activities of different groups and various organizations within the parish. And we have to make sure that all parishes are like that. This document said that since its inception, the parish is envisioned as a response to what they say is a precise pastoral need, namely that of bringing the gospel to the people through the proclamation of faith and the celebration of the sacraments. That's the heart of our parish life. 
as the Eucharist is the source and summit of Christian life. Uh, the document says that to meet its mission, a renewed vitality is required that favors the rediscovery of the vocation of the baptized as a disciple of Jesus Christ and a missionary of the gospel, especially in parts of the world where many people do not know or practice the faith. The document encourages parishes to discern how to think of themselves as missionary communities and how to focus on proclaiming the gospel to all who will hear. You know, unfortunately, we, we get into the, some bad habits. Again, let's, let's go pre-COVID. And, you know, people will go to Mass on Sunday. They, they go to the same, they get up at the same time on Sunday morning. They, they, they take the same route to church. They go to the same Mass. They go to every week. They sit in the same pew, right? <laughs> and then they have their regular Sunday routine. And, and unfortunately, that becomes routine. And then there's nothing beyond that in many cases. Not all, but many cases. And we need to remember that we are. We know when we leave the holy sacrifice of the Mass, whether it be on a Sunday or any day we go, we're, we're being sent. We're being sent out into the world to proclaim the gospel in, in word and deed. And so this document, again, just tries to um, reemphasize that. Another takeaway that this author of this article had was the Eucharist and the poor should be the central, uh, be central to parish life. The celebration of the Eucharist uh, is the source and summit of the whole Christian life and accordingly the essential moment for building up the parish community. The Mass should be the center of parish life, this document says, and the place from which the parish receives its mission. In the Mass, the parish welcomes the living presence of the crucified and risen Lord, receiving uh, the announcement of the entire mystery of salvation. And we have to always put that in perspective when we go. I think it's part of the problem that we, we see today. I know for me personally, maybe it's just my own hang-up. When I go to Mass and, and I sit within the, the, the ropes, you know, they, they, they uh, divide the pews and things and rope off certain pews, and you can only sit here, make sure your mask is on, Nobody's singing, uh, the, the, even the, the music program, which is very frustrating to Cheryl because she's a music director, is, is limited because of lack of, you know, no choirs. There's no hymnals in the pews. All of these, these regulations that were put in place for a sincere, valid reason. Nobody did it to be spiteful and <laughs> didn't pull the, pull the hymnals out or the missalettes out of the pews to, to anger people but because the guidelines, the medical guidelines, recommended doing these types of things. I don't like it, but um, that's where we are right now, and we have to abide by that. Um, the document also said that the poor should be invited to the heart of parish life. A sanctuary open to all the parish, and this is remember this is coming out of Rome, for the entire world. Um, a sanctuary open to all. The parish called to reach out to everyone without exception to remember that the poor and excluded must also have a privileged place in the heart of the church. You know, one time it's nothing to do with the poor, but I just thought of this. I'm saying we we go to mass and we get into these these routine uh, habits. 
few years ago, I, I went uh, to uh, Daily Mass locally here in New Jersey. <laughs> I would say what parish it was. Uh, let's just say it was in New Jersey somewhere. And um, I, it was at morning mass. And I, 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 well, of course, I wanted to go, and I had to go to a particular parish. So I, I sat down for the morning mass. And as is, is the case in, in, in some parishes, you know, morning masses are said in a different part. They may not be said in the same, in the main church, but have a side chapel or a, you know, a back chapel or something, a day chapel. And I sat down, and I'm sitting there waiting for mass to begin. And this I would say, older woman, older than me, came over, and the mind you, it's morning mass. There are plenty of places to sit. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of empty seats. And I was sitting there, and this older woman came over, and she looked down, and she goes, I've been sitting in that chair for the past 23 years, the chair that I was in. I said, oh, you have, have you? <laughs> and that's all she said, as if to say, Get yourself out of it, because that's my chair you're sitting in. And I, I said, well, I guess I'll have to go sit somewhere else then, won't I? And she said, thank you. So she was in such a routine that even though there were literally tens, 50, 20, 30, 30 of the chairs in the place to sit, I was in the one chair that she has sat in for the past 23 years, and I better get out of it. Uh, not very evangelizing. You know, I was just a visitor to the parish. I didn't. I, I was not... <laughs> Anyway, we got to get away from that kind of attitude, you know, <laughs> be, be more welcoming, uh, especially to the stranger, right? Um, the document says the parish community evangelizes and is evangelized by the poor, discovering anew the call to preach the word in all settings, whilst recalling the supreme law of charity by which we shall be judged. Another takeaway was territorial matters, but can't be a limit. Most parishes are defined by territory. With few exceptions, a parish is, properly speaking, the communion of the baptized within the limits of a certain territory. It used to be, my goodness, when all the parishes were open many, many years ago, you know, you'd have parish churches just blocks away from each other, right? And in many of the uh, urban locations, those parish churches were the ethnic churches, that was the Italian parish. That's the Polish parish. That's the Hungarian parish. That parish. That's the Irish parish. <laughs> that's that's where the immigrants went uh, at the turn of the century, and they set up their parishes. People were identified by the parish they belonged to, not necessarily what what street they lived on, but what parish they belonged to. Um, those things have changed, obviously. So the territory is important, but. The Congregation for the Clergy's Guidelines said it should not be uh, a limit. So open that up a little bit, uh, especially these days, you know, because the, the, we have so many, so many parish churches now have closed or merged or twinned. And there's a lot of um, a parochial attitude towards their parishes. That's some of the difficulties the bishops have when they do decide to merge parishes. You know, what name are we going to keep? Why isn't my why isn't being why isn't my parish's name being kept as opposed to that parish's name? Why are we called this and not that? All these things we have to get away from. Um, the next takeaway was structures for a mission. Uh, 
the guidelines emphasize that while the parish needs policies, programs, and structures to fulfill its mission, it must avoid the risk of falling into an excessive and bureaucratic organization of events and an offering of services that do not express the dy- uh, dynamic of evangelization. Um, you know, the, the thing is that, you know, a parish has to be run properly. I find that here at the Apostolate, you know, we, we have, we're, a, we're an incorporated organization. We have to be run a particular way, especially as a nonprofit. And that's why I have a wonderful board of directors uh, that do that. I, I, you know, I can take care of the operation as far as the radio side of it and, and the broadcast side of it and all the things that have to be done here. But as far as the actual operation of the organization, there are specific um, norms that have to be followed. And the same thing in a parish. You know, you, you have a, most parishes, not all parishes, have a business manager required by uh, um, canon law, I believe, to have a finance committee to make sure the finances are being held and, and dealt with properly. So, yes, that's all important and necessary. But the guidelines also say that we have to be careful not to uh, let that uh, um, get in the way of the structures for the mission of the parish, that there needs to be an awareness of, uh, you know, we can't let those things get be an obstacle to that. Um, and the last one, I have a few seconds here, responsibility for the parish mission belongs to everyone, but each has a role to play. Uh, the document emphasized the co-responsibility of clergy, religious, and laity for the mission of the parish but the document also emphasized that each person work for the kingdom in the role to which he is called by baptism and vocation. The guidelines emphasize that the parish pastor is entrusted with the full care of souls in his parish, a role unique to priests. And that's a very, very serious role to fulfill and ser- uh, serious in the eyes of God, obviously. Okay, so when we come back... Uh, I just kind of skimmed over that. I wanted to do a little more, but ran out of time here. So when we come back, though, I do want to go to the Catechism, since it is Thursday. The article in the Catechism on the Third Commandment, remember to keep holy the Sabbath day, where it also gets into some of the uh, issues of of parish life and and, um, our responsibility there. So stay where you are, my friends. Uh, There is more to come. I'll be right back. said, the key that opens the door to faith is prayer. Join St. Paul Street Evangelization by running a prayer station in the public square. You don't need to be a professional apologist or theologian. Just listen to the needs of the people you encounter. Offer encouragement, take prayer requests, and pray with people. Find out more and get involved today at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. 
Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Are you and I a friend of Jesus? That's the important one. See? He will never let you down. He will always be forgiving and merciful and compassionate. You can't say that of any friend. So oh, I have a wonderful friend and we've been friends for 40 years. Wonderful. I think that's a big grace. Scripture says, if you have found such a one, praise God. But ordinarily, you can't say that you would tell your very heart to this one or that one. To some, it would be like putting it in a newspaper. Be all over town, half hour, where you wouldn't talk to a friend like that. But with Jesus, you can talk to any friend. You can talk to him as the best of friends. People you know and trust are on EWTN. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. From Fallsington to Fort Monmouth. Little Silver to Lower Makefield. Rumson to Roebling. Washington Crossing to West Long Branch. Eatontown to Englishtown. Domestic Church Catholic Radio, proclaiming Jesus Christ in the new springtime of the church. for me to come on but <laughs> I'm sitting here why don't I hear myself because I wasn't talking that's why got to push the mic button and start talking this doesn't happen automatically <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing I have all these monitors here all these all these video monitors and I'm watching the monitors to see what uh, kind of angles we have and things and I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, wait a minute it's live I got to get on the air so too much technology 
too much technology, but it's good, you know. Uh, we got to use as, anything available to us. We have to use, and I, it's my it's been my goal from the very beginning. You know, when I first started, when we first started uh, domestic church media back in two thousand. Well, we were putting together the, the, the um, business plan and the letters of incorporation and things in, in, in during 2003. We were officially incorporated on May 5th, 2004. But leading up to that, we had all the business plans and the uh, the operating plan and everything. And, and I had a, a few gentlemen on my board at that time um, who I said, I, I think we should name the apostolate domestic church media. And they said, well, remember that this is 2003. They said, well, why don't you call it Domestic Church Radio? I said, because I see that it's got to be more than just radio. It's got to be using all media because media is constant. Technology is constant. And this was 2003. That was the Holy Spirit because I'm, you know, I'm a little thick-headed. So the Holy Spirit is the one that puts these things in my, on my heart. And uh, But we saw that. You know, we saw, I should, I should say, the Holy Spirit led us into that direction understanding that uh, you can't just limit yourself to radio because that's going to change. You know, we're seeing the changes now even. Um, I hear Cheryl when we, when we win the, when we play our Saint of the Day game on Fridays or or name that Catholic to whatever we're playing at the time. And I hear Cheryl on the phone with the winner and she'll say to you, because sometimes Cheryl will give out you know, we usually have books that we give out, but sometimes she thinks about CDs if she thinks the, the winner might be appreciate the CD instead, or music. She says, do you, do you still listen to CDs? It's funny to hear that question because CDs only came out in 1986, I think, 85, around that time, uh, so only about 35 years now. And they're, they're pretty much becoming obsolete because you don't need them anymore. You don't need to actually buy a CD to listen to music. You can get it virtually, you know. I have one of those Amazon Echo Auto, A-U-T-O as an automobile, in my car. And it uses the, the data on your phone, but not much. I, I got to tell you, you know. So anyway, you put this little Amazon Echo device. It costs about 50 bucks. You put it in your car. Uh, Plug it into your uh, USB port there on your in your car, and through the Wi-Fi. You know the Wi-Fi. It connects to your phone, and uh, it'll play anything. You know now we have yeah, if you if you if you subscribe and we do subscribe to the Amazon Music because we we use you know for songs and things, and uh, I'll just tell the thing. You know Alexa, play. Music from 1938, which I do sometimes. I go back to the big band, and it just starts playing music from that year. I mean, it's it's amazing. So you don't need CDs anymore. You're not changing CDs. You can you can tell it to play any radio station you want, and hopefully you do say play domestic church media on these devices because we stream live on them, on the Amazon Echo and the Google Home devices. So everything's changing, you know. So there's always that. We need that. We need that continued vision, foresight to see beyond the present times and see where we're going. I'm always trying to keep track of what new technologies are out there and, and what the trends may be, because I always say we have to be there. 
just like right now. I mean, uh, you know, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, on video. I have these two little cameras set up here in the studio a few years ago, a couple, I guess almost three or four years ago now. I saw these cameras uh, advertised. They were brand new. And um, I said, we need to get a couple of them, and, and we have to get on YouTube then. Let's get on the video. Let's do, let's, uh, and so we keep doing that. And the purpose is, is that we have to keep being able to, as a Catholic lay apostolate, keep using all this technology that is also being used by evil forces, let's face it. But we use it to bring the gospel out to as many people as possible. Um, and we got to keep doing it. Just have to keep doing it. So with that being said, say some prayers for us. Um, you know, we're still... We have to replace our, our AM transmitter here at 1260. Back on June 3rd, that Direco storm ripped through the area and ripped up our transmitter, basically. Um, and, you know, to replace it is at least $38,000. I've gone through all this before. Some of you, at the kindness of your hearts, have contributed toward that. God bless you. Um, we are right now in the midst of working with the insurance company because it was a an act of, act of uh, God. Actually, God didn't do it. <laughs> they call it an act of God. Um, and, what, you know, and maybe, hey, listen, if it gets us a new transmitter, then it was an act of God because it's going to improve our signal. Um, this transmitter is over 30 years old, and uh, with the new transmitter and, and uh, a, uh, another piece of equipment, our signal would strengthen on the fringe areas. You know, we listen to 1260 AM on those fringe areas. are very, very powerful. So anyway... We're working with the insurance company as well. So just say some prayers for that. We're hoping that uh, soon we can get the new transmitter in and uh, just bring the, the, the joy of the gospel to even more people. But that's what we have to keep doing. So we'll be doing more video, hopefully. Um, we'll be doing more uh, in way of using technology uh, in any way that we possibly can. Uh, to get out there. We have to saturate the airwaves. You know, Mother Angelica said that uh, many, many years ago. You know, when Mother first had the inspiration for uh, Catholic radio back in the early 1990s, uh, you know, she said that. We have to saturate the airwaves with, with the word. And we're so blessed to be able to be doing this on a regular basis. And even in the midst of this whole pandemic situation, you know, we never closed. We were always here and uh, will continue to be for as long as God wants it and as long as you keep supporting us, my friend. So, again, as we now get close to entering into the third month of the summer season, August, uh, please remember us in your financial donations. We need you. We count on you. We can't do this any other way. Um, please support us. All right, so let's do this. Let's go to the catechism, <clears throat> the article on the third commandment. And I hope, my brothers and sisters, that you have a catechism in your house. I hope you read it. You don't have to do the whole thing. You just do what we do here. Take little sections of it and just break it down and, and read it. And, and and absorb it and meditate on it and let 
the Holy Spirit just fill you with this truth. So this article, Article 3, the Third Commandment, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, and to the Lord your God in it you shall not do any work. And then, of course, our Lord said the Sabbath was made for man, but not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And the third, this is the Catechism, paragraph 2168. The third commandment of the Decalogue recalls the holiness of the Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. In speaking of the Sabbath, Scripture recalls creation. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Scripture also reveals that the Lord's Day is a memorial of Israel's liberation from bondage in Egypt. God entrusted the Sabbath to Israel to keep as a sign of their irrevocable covenant. The Sabbath is for the Lord, holy and set apart for the praise of God, his work of creation, and his saving actions on behalf of Israel. God's action in our midst for human action, I'm sorry, God's action is the model for human action, If God rested and was refreshed on the seventh day, man too ought to rest and should let others, especially the poor, be refreshed. The Sabbath brings everyday work to a halt and provides a respite. It is a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. Remember the old blue laws we used to have here in New Jersey? No stores were open on Sundays, right? Sunday was a lot different couple generations ago, wasn't it? Sunday was a day, and I know most of you remember, and hopefully still it's part of your regular weekly routine that Sunday is different. You know, in in my house, we used to have our Sunday dinner in mid-afternoon, whereas every other day of the week we'd have it, you know, 5 o'clock, 5.30, but on Sundays it was mid-afternoon, the big meal. Um, a day for visiting, a day for company. I remember before the gas shortages of the 1970s where my father would put us all in a car, let's go for a ride. <laughs> we just go driving around. Maybe that's where the term Sunday driver, we used to use that term, somebody who was going too slow, and we used Sunday driver, people who only went out driving on Sundays perhaps. It always started with mass you know, in Catholic homes. Uh, we'd come home from Mass, and then my mom would go right to the kitchen, and she'd start smelling the sauce and the meatballs and all the other good savory things that awaited us for Sunday dinner. But I don't think that happens a lot anymore. I hope it does. But it's, it's it has, you know, people have gotten away from that. It used to be a day of true rest. Because nothing was open, people didn't work except for the people who had to. The, the you know the, the uh, people who were in uh, hospitals and police officers and you know firefighters and things who had to work on those days. But for the most part, everything else was closed. Um, it is the Lord's Day, and. The Catechism says that this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week because it is the first day 
the day of Christ's resurrection recalls the, uh, the first creation because it is the eighth day following the Sabbath that symbolizes the new creation ushered in by Christ's resurrection. For Christians, it has become the first of all days, the first of all feasts, the Lord's Day. Um, and then paragraph 2175 says, Sunday is expressly distinguished from the Sabbath, which it followed chronologically every week. For Christians, its ceremonial observance replaces that of the Sabbath. In Christ's Passover, Sunday fulfills the spiritual truth of the Jewish, Jewish Sabbath and announces man's eternal rest in God. For worship under the law prepared for the mystery of Christ and what was done there prefigured some aspects of Christ. The Catechism talks about the Sunday Eucharist. The Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day and His Eucharist is at the heart of the church's life. I think that's why people are... are missing you know when 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 we had the shutdown when when all we could do was go to virtual mass and we could sit in our living room easy chair and and pull up on our our tablets or laptops a uh a streaming mass it, it, it just it, it just wasn't the same right just wasn't the same obviously um this has always been at the heart of who we are. We go to church. We go to Mass. We go to the building. We congregate with other brothers and sisters to come together in communal worship of the Lord God, in listening to his word, in receiving his body, blood, soul, and divinity in, in holy communion, and singing praise. And those things have changed right now for the time being. But it's still the same liturgy. It's still the same worship. Um, the Catechism in paragraph 2178 says that this practice of the Christian assembly dates from the beginnings of the apostolic age. The letter to the Hebrews reminds the faithful not to neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but to encourage one another. And then specifically regarding the parish, paragraph 2179 in the Catechism says this, in defining the parish, because again, I, I pray that when all of this is over, and it will be over, it's going to end, it can't go on forever, that we will get back to parish life. Paragraph 2179 in our Catechism says, a parish is a definitive, I'm sorry, is a definite community of the Christian faithful established on a stable basis within a particular church. The pastoral care of the parish is entrusted to a pastor as its own shepherd under the authority of the diocesan bishop. The parish is the place where all the faithful can be gathered together for the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist. The parish initiates the Christian people into the ordinary expression of the liturgical life. It gathers them together in this celebration. It teaches Christ's saving doctrine. It practices the charity of the Lord in good works and brotherly love. And I think, again, this is what people are missing. This is why we all feel disordered, because it's not the same. And I know that in our listening areas, and they are wide, 
the ones here in our uh, radio station listening areas, our radio footprints that we have in the metropolitan area, the tri-state area. There are a lot of lot of parishes. <laughs> we have a lot of parishes within our listening area, and a lot of wonderful pastors who, as the Catechism says, shepherds the people that God has put under their care. It's a very serious, uh, and take it should be taken, I know it is, taken seriously by these pastors, that they have a flock of people that they are called to shepherd. And the parish community, this community of the Christian faithful, as the Catechism says, that has been established on a basis with a particular within a particular church, that it's the place where the faithful can gather together for the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist. Now we're very blessed uh, in this part of the country that again we'll go pre-COVID, where you knew there was a Sunday mass within just a few minutes of your house. <laughs> we don't really have to go too far to get to a Sunday uh, liturgy or even to get to a weekday liturgy. But there are parts of the country where that doesn't happen. Parts of the world where that doesn't happen. We had a dear friend, God rest his soul, a priest from Kenya, Father Richard Koskier. He was a wonderful holy priest, a great, great friend. We got to know him very well. Uh, he died very young, at, at 42, I think, from he had a heart uh, defect. But he would tell us these wonderful stories about the church in Kenya. How he and, and one of his one of one of the reasons he would he would come over uh, for a few summers in a row. This is how we got to know him. He he wanted to bring Catholic radio to Kenya, and um, so he kind of mentored with me, you know, and, and I was teaching him various aspects of, of this. He was, he studied at the North, at the um, um, Gregorian University in Rome, spoke fluent Italian, but he was from Kenya. His native language uh, was Swahili, I believe. Um, but he would tell us these stories of what the church was like in Kenya from village to village. He and a, another priest friend of his would travel together in pairs, you know, in, in a pair, as a pair, and they would walk from village to village. And of course, there in many of these little villages, there were not many, there weren't any um, stone churches. There were no church buildings, so to speak, in many of them. If they were, there were there were huts. But even in, in some of the villages he would tell us about, there were, weren't even that. And they would make it to the village, and the, the, the mass that they would say, the Sunday mass, would be you know once every number of weeks because they could only get from one village to one village at a time, and they would, would have to travel by foot to get there. But when they got to a village, the village, villagers were thrilled and their Sunday liturgy would take place under a shade tree, and Mass would be all day long. And they would celebrate and worship and praise God 
sing. And then I thought I found this so interesting at the offertory in the Mass. The villagers would bring up to the altar. Again, it was a makeshift altar. It was under a, under a shade tree. But the villagers would all come, and all the villagers would bring their gifts to the altar. And it was food. It was vegetables and fruit and uh, some baked goods, breads. And they would bring them up to the altar. And I said, well, that was interesting. What? And what it was, it, it was for the priests for their journey to the next village, their sustenance to take them to the next village to say Mass. But the Masses were so few and, and far between that when they, they did arrive at a village to say Mass, the people were just ecstatic because they were able to celebrate the liturgy. And the priest would go by foot. He would tell these wonderful, funny stories about how you know, it was a few days' journey to the next village, and they'd have to sleep in the jungle, and they'd have to make a fire. And he said the fire would keep away the lions and the uh, <laughs> the wild animals. What dedicated vocations, huh? So sometimes we take that a little bit too much for granted here, that what we have. Maybe now that we've we've been without the mass for a while, we we understand what we would not have if we didn't have it. So. The parish, as the catechism says, is this center of the church community, the faithful coming together uh, under the authority and the shepherding of the pastor, where they gather for Sunday celebration. Okay, uh, so that's 2179 in the catechism. I'm going to read that paragraph and other parts of the third commandment there. We should. Good reading. Okay. I got to go tomorrow. Cheryl will be here at 4 o'clock Friday Live. We have Deacon Anthony is going to join us with his senior spirituality uh, segment. And then we also have um, Leanne Thiemann, who's written a series of books, uh, Catholic-themed Chicken Soup for the Soul. So stay with us uh, tomorrow, 4 o'clock. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.